Life changes when you make yourself a priority and when you choose to take responsibility for your happiness and healing. By listening to this podcast, you'll learn about adoption from all sides of the adoption triad and you'll walk away with self-healer tools so that you know how to adopt yourself and transform your life by accepting, choosing, unconditionally loving, and prioritizing you. You don't have to be an adoptee to adopt yourself. Anyone can do it. And remember, adoption doesn't happen overnight and neither does adopting yourself. So practice patience and self-compassion and message me if you have any questions or desire guidance. Thank you for listening. I love you. Hello, loves, and welcome to Adopt Yourself, podcast number five, six. I'm honestly not even sure which number this is at this point doesn't even matter. You're here. I'm here. That's all that matters. So thank you for tuning in and listening. And this is a great transformational story for me um, of honoring my scars. And that's the name of this episode because I went through an experience five years ago that I didn't honor my scar when I came out of it. It took me a while to learn. I learned the hard way, and I now know to honor my scars. And this scar in particular that I'm talking about as I'm looking down on it right now, this physical scar is nearly shaped like a a peace sign, minus the big circle around it. Um, It goes from about the top of my ribs, down my whole ribs, and about three inches to the left and then about mm, eight inches to the right. So I have this gorgeous, beautiful scar that I received exactly five years ago and one day ago on March 2nd, 2015. And yesterday as I was reflecting about how I was feeling leading up to it and the day of and everything afterwards, I realized how much growth I've had and how much love and respect I've grown for myself and through this pivot and transformation I really chose to create a stronger and healthier relationship with myself and I do it's not like I'm gonna wake up one day and be like oh cool I'm good I don't need to work on this anymore nope relationships are continuous effort um especially the relationship with yourself, which as I've mentioned before, we tend to be our harshest self-critics, our biggest self-critics. So, all right, let's jump into this. My scar on my belly, on my Buddha belly, my scar came from an eight and a half hour liver surgery where um, they removed half my liver and my gallbladder because I had a cyst the size of a softball Um, in my liver and blocking my bile ducts. So how did this happen? (laughs) I have been healthy my entire life. um, And as I'm sure if you've read the bio of this podcast or know me or have heard of me, I'm adopted. Um, I, from the medical records that I do have of my birth parents, it says that no one had any major uh, diseases or anything like that. So I've kind of just always hoped that I'd be okay and everything would be great and fine. Uh, But in the back of my mind, I've I've at times 
questioned um, my health and if, you know, if there's something in my genes that I'm just unaware of. So I have been healthy my entire life um, up until this surgery. And if anything, the only things I had was I would get cavities frequently. And then I also, um, I broke a few bones playing sports. And honestly, there was nothing else I had um, in high school. I had pretty severe um, cramps and like stomach cramps, but it was from what I believe now, it was all related to anxiety um, because I was a freshman on the varsity volleyball team and I just felt a lot of pressure and anxiety because I was a freshman starter and um, I was just going through like two a days of training. So I was basically working out eight plus hours a day. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of anxiety and I also did not get along with the head coach. Um, so there was just so much anxiety around that. And I mean, maybe that was related to this surgery. Who knows? Um, all the gastroenterologists that I saw at the time said they couldn't figure anything out and eventually it got better. Um, so when, let's see, it was December, 2014, I went to Israel on birthright. Um, shout out to anyone who's done birthright. It's so much fun. Um, and Israel is just one of the most amazing countries in the world. I, was on birthright and we were towards the end of the trip and I suddenly got jaundice or no, I didn't get jaundice then. I basically just got this like horrible stomach thing going on. And if you've listened, I think it was my second episode. I mentioned how I shit my pants. <laughs> um, so that is how this surgery started. Um, I was the beginning of this, uh, setback. So I, I shit my pants because I was, uh, now I'm just going to tell the whole story. Uh, we were in the Bedouin tents and, um, I had severe stomach issues that night and I was running to the bathroom and I did not make it to the bathroom. And my dear friend, Melanie stayed with me in the bathroom nearly all night. Um, and <laughs> shout out to Mel, you're the best friend ever. Um, and that was basically when Melanie and I became best friends, uh, was me just like completely keeled over and, uh, her just cracking jokes, trying to keep me laughing instead of in severe, um, agony. So I thought I was just, you know, a horrible stomach bug, um, and of course it happened when we were in the Bedouin tents and I had to sprint like probably two football fields to get to the bathroom. Anyways, um, everyone shits their pants. It's all good. <laughs> my most embarrassing moment. Shared on my podcast twice. All right. Um, so that, um, after I got back to LA, um, I still wasn't feeling that well. And then I went back, I flew back home to New York and <clears throat> I... Basically, I think it was like a week or so that I, I went back to the doctor and I said, you know, I haven't been feeling well. This is what happened. This is what's going on. And he gave me antibiotics. That was back when I would take antibiotics. I don't take those anymore. Um, and now, not now, <laughs> I don't take them now. Uh, 
I think it was about another week or so that I still wasn't feeling well. And one of my best friends and coworkers, Cindy, um, bless her heart, she literally said to me, Allie, if you don't call the doctor, I'm going to call the doctor because you look yellow. And I kept seeing myself in the mirror. And so I just thought, oh, yeah, like my color does look a little off. But since she saw me every day and she saw how I progressed to look more yellow, she was just like, something's going on. You go to the doctor. And I had been a little bit itchy. Um, however, I've had eczema my whole life, so I didn't really think much of it. I was just like, oh, that's weird. My shins are itchy. I haven't had eczema in that area of my body before. Um, turns out I had jaundice. And when I went to the doctor, he felt my liver and he immediately said, Your liver is inflamed. And my, how old was I then? 27 year old self. 26 year old self said um okay that's weird I don't drink that much um I didn't really think much of it because to me I didn't really know what would get your liver inflamed and so then I got um an ultrasound and then they saw this little thing and or what they thought was a little thing um this little growth in there and I immediately started freaking out um I was living in New York at the time, and my parents were in L.A., uh, and they flew out, like, the next day, I think, and we just started to go to all of the different surgeons because, basically, through the ultrasound and through the MRI, they had no idea how large the growth was. Um, they couldn't... They didn't really see exactly where it was, and then we eventually figured out through multiple endoscopies and um, multiple NMRIs that uh, I had this cyst that was perfectly blocking my bile ducts. And so since it was blocking my bile ducts, um, my, the bilirub my bilirubin count in my blood um, was building up. And so because basically it acts as a passageway and helps digestion, especially with fatty foods. Um, and so because of that, I got jaundice because the bilirubin, um, blood, the, the, the bilirubin count was up and I, let's see, we went to a bunch of doctors in New York and they kept saying that they thought it would be a four week, um, post-surgery recovery. And so given that amount of time, I was like, I don't want to be in my apartment by myself for four weeks and so my parents and I just decided that I was going to do the surgery in LA so we go to Cedar sinai and um, initially they or basically I had to keep getting these endoscopies um, so that we would place these um, little plastic tubes in my body in the bile ducts so that my blood flow would start going more um, and so that hopefully my bilirubin count would go down. I was on a very boring diet um, for about five weeks before my surgery while I kept getting these uh, mini procedures. Um, well, I wouldn't call them mini procedures considering I was under anesthesia each time. So <laughs> these little procedures um, and Throughout the time, I kept thinking, okay, we're not entirely sure what this is. Uh, 
we, and I also hadn't known that many people who have had surgeries or anything similar to this whatsoever. My family hasn't, no one really knew um, the best way to really deal with it. And so I, at the time, I wasn't that spiritually in tuned. I wasn't uh, meditating daily. I wasn't very in tune with my body whatsoever. I was freaking out. And I didn't have tools to help me not freak out <laughs> or freak out less. And so I had about five weeks of waiting for my bilirubin count to go down. So a typical healthy bilirubin count, I believe, is under one. Um, so it's like usually like 0.2 to like one or one. It might be 1.1. I don't recall. Anyways, um, my bilirubin count was at 17. So I wasn't healthy enough to be operated on. And so just the fact of that I have to actually have a surgery, but then, oh, wait, you're not healthy enough to actually have this yet, freaks me out even more. Um, and I recall just praying. I started praying multiple times a day. Um, people would be talking to me, and I wouldn't be listening because in my head I'd be praying. Uh I prayed to God, creator, I prayed to everything, I prayed to Jesus, Moses, everyone, Buddha, I prayed, literally, I prayed to every higher anything, um, and during that time, I kept thinking, like, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get through this, I know I'm gonna get through this, I know I'm gonna get through this, because I know there's more for me to do in this world, um, in this life, and I know I'm gonna get through this, because this isn't the end. Like, there's something else. There's something greater than this. I had no idea what it was. Uh, at the time I was working in fashion, I was basically a slave to the job. I, um, as I mentioned on other shares, I was in an abusive relationship in college, and after that, I was terrified for anyone to touch me. Um, I only trusted my friends and it was still challenging for me to grow trust with people um and so I wasn't dating at all I had like zero social life every once in a while I would go out with my brother and his friends or I would go out for drinks or something with my coworkers after work um but I really was not dating at all which wasn't really making me happy um completely just working like crazy hours and just that was my focus and I believe well first let me tell you what happened okay so so I was basically working myself um, to the ground and I wasn't eating well I was seriously I would eat a bagel and then later on I'd eat like a pastrami sandwich or a pizza and I was just eating like I was like a teenager, um, and I wasn't working out. Um, it was the first time in my life that I stopped working out was around, yeah, for like a few years when I was in New York um, until this surgery. <laughs> and I was still very depressed. Um, I was getting a little bit better, but also this all happened about, let's see, eight months after my best friend Eden Caesar passed away from cancer. So I was still 
coming out of that spiral of um, depression after she passed away. And then this all happened. Um, so I went, I recall the night before the surgery, I just kept, I was at my parents' house and I just kept pacing. I kept pacing my room and all I had to do was pack like sweatpants because I knew I'd be in the hospital for at least like a couple days afterwards and so I really didn't have to pack much like maybe some books, my cell phone charger, I wasn't going to be working on my computer, I, uh, I had nothing to pack and I recall pacing and I was just hysterically crying. And my mom comes in and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I need to pack things, but like I have nothing to pack. I don't know what I'm doing. And like she just saw that I was hitting a wall of fear. And I was terrified because I felt like, oh my God, what if this is my last night sleeping? What if this is it? And I just... Yeah, I just remember hysterically crying and my mom holding me and saying, like, this isn't it, this isn't it. Um, and I've seriously, I, I remember it like it was yesterday because I was just in such fear of the unknown um, and of uncertainty. So the day of the surgery, um, we go to the hospital and the surgeon had told us that if the surgery, that basically since he wasn't entirely sure exactly what was going on, he would only know once he opened me up. And so he said that if it's, he would give my, he gave us my and my family different time frames. So if the surgery, if it was really easy and all went really well, it would be, the surgery would be under two hours. Um, and then if something else, I don't recall the exact specifics of what he said, but basically if something else, um, if it was a little bit more challenging, it would be under four hours. And if it was more challenging than that, it would be under six hours. And, and then if it was really bad, it would be around eight hours. And then if it was 10 hours, then that was like, well, no, I think he said it was eight to 10 hours was the really challenging one and he was hoping that it wasn't that. And so I recall changing out of my clothes and into a gown um, in this huge restroom at, at Cedar sinai And I remember that's when I called on Eden and God and Creator. And I was like, I have no idea what's about to happen. I have no idea how this is going to go, um, but all I can do is sit here and pray, and, and I said, Eden, I was like, if you are in existence anywhere, please be with me today, and please get me through this. I said, if I can ask you one thing, get me through this surgery, um, and I just kept crying and praying. Actually, I don't think I cried that morning. Uh, I felt like I got it all out the night before, and... So I went into surgery, um, and I recall the room, and there were these big, huge lights, and I just remember, okay, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe, and I got an epidural, which I, oh my gosh, it knocked me out so fast, um, 
And then I was out. And eight and a half hours later, after my family and friends freaking out that it was that it lasted that long, um, I woke up. And I recall being extremely cloudy and barely understanding. Like, I, I knew I woke, just woke up from surgery, but I was just like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Creator. Thank you, Universe. Thank you, Eden. Thank you, Eden. And I just remember barely wanting to keep my eyes open. Um, and I am so grateful for my mom and dad for spending the nights with me in the hospital. I was in the hospital for five days afterwards. And shout out to every single nurse who bust their asses and are just some of the most incredibly amazing people. Um, thank you so much for what you do. I, oh my gosh, my nurses were just amazing, amazing people. Um, same as my surgeon. He's awesome. Uh, so this was a huge turning point for me. Um, this was a sudden awareness of consciousness, a sudden spiritual awakening, a sudden, like, the closest moment I've ever experienced of near death. And through this, I learned how to love my body. I learned how to respect my body. Now, I, so since I was cut open across my stomach. I had extreme issues moving at first. Anything I did, it was like this super slow motion because your belly, it's just the center. <laughs> and so I wasn't really expecting that. Um, initially, I was told that I'd have this like small little J-shaped scar. It would probably be three inches big. And now mine's if I measure it, it's most likely over 12 inches total. And so I had this bandage across my entire stomach, and I recall waking up. Or realize, once I realized, um, a few hours after I had been awake, I then realized that there was a bandage across my whole stomach instead of just on the side of where my liver was. And then that's when they told me how long of a surgery it was. Um, and I was just shocked. I was just completely shocked. So five days later, I eventually go home, and um, and it's the simple things that <laughs> were just so interesting that um, walking, <laughs> um, sitting upright, I remember the first time I sat upright, I was just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. Um, going to the bathroom was a huge deal. Uh, I recall even, I think it was when I went home after I, um, after the hospital, they said, okay, like, make sure to like, remember to poop. And after you're, I haven't really been eating anything at all. I was just like, really? But then noticing just how your body functions and what, how, impacted it is by trauma like that and it took me about eight weeks to recover um so I was in LA recovering and I'm just so grateful for my friends uh and my family 
Um, my friends are my chosen family, and I'm just so grateful for every single person who showed up. Um, my rabbi who did my bat mitzvah, <laughs> he came uh, to the hospital. Like It was an outpouring of love from everywhere, um, from all over the world. And even to this day, I'm just so grateful for every single person that showed up. Um, because that's when I experienced the most love and the most community I've ever felt in my life. And I don't believe it takes a dark time for that to happen, but I do know that that is when we come together most is to support one another through the hard times. So thank you to everyone who did support me through that. Um, what I feel most called to share, obviously besides the 20 minutes that I just shared about the actual surgery, is the growth I've had with understanding my body and learning how to respect my body more. So my volleyball coach in high school always said, your body is your temple, your body is your temple, respect it, respect it, respect everything you put into your body, blah, 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 blah. And I really just thought, blah, 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 like, okay, whatever, cool. And I did not, it, it didn't really fully land for me. I didn't respect my body. I didn't, I mean, I'm not saying to be very strict with how you eat, um, what you consume, but be respectful. I had not been respectful when I, oh, so my surgeons um, told me that the cyst was the size of a softball. It was benign, luckily, thank God. Um, and I'm not sure why I'm bringing God into this so many times today. Um, I actually don't even fully, yeah, I'm like, I don't even fully believe in God. I just believe in creator. So <laughs> I'm not sure why I keep bringing God into this podcast today. I'll be sharing much more new on another podcast about my spiritual beliefs. Um, anyways, the surgeon said that I was one in 200 cases reported worldwide um, for a mucous cystadenoma. And basically, he had no clue how it formed or why. Um, he believed that I might have had it since I was born and that it just got bigger over time and that potentially the uh, from me taking birth control for 10 years, that that might have contributed to its growth. So at the time, I was like, cool, I'm not touching drugs. <laughs> like, I'm not going back on birth control. That's not happening. Um, and then I also, at the time, I just had this moment of like, I'm not, I'm not going back on my antidepressants. I'm not going back on my Ritalin or Concerta. I'm done. I'm done. Um, and... And then I asked him, okay, cool, what can I eat? What can I drink? Um, and he said that I can eat whatever I want, and I can drink whatever I want, but not to drink alcohol for another month. So for me, I was like, okay, cool, I can just go back to whatever I want. And as I started consuming different things, I started realizing my body said no. And coffee was the first one. I loved coffee. Um, I mainly just really love the smell of it. 
uh, I used to drink coffee like once a day, twice a day. There were times though that I would drink coffee like three or four times a day just based on my work schedule if I was working late hours um, just to stay awake and to be attentive. So I recall I tried coffee like three or four times and it was just horrible to digest. I would have like this excruciating pain in my stomach. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool, no more coffee. And then I would start eating other things. Like I, I remember I once I started eating cheese again or like anything fatty, um, like I remember pizza, I had um, something that was fried. It might have been tempura or something that I had it and I immediately within or not immediately but it was like within an hour or so I was like oh I don't feel well so I've also noticed that from this surgery my digestion has slowed down um, my liver regenerated fully um, and it was pretty cool to see on the MRI <laughs> how that progressed um, and yeah I began to see okay fatty foods don't digest that well coffee's out uh, dairy is not digesting that well, but I was still eating it and I just still kept eating it. So part of me believes that I gained the weight back. So I, I'm not sure how much I lost. I probably lost like 40 or six, 40 pounds, 60 pounds. No, maybe it was 40 from this surgery, 20, it was like at least 20, um, cause it was like a month, it was like a three month process. I think it might've been 40 or 50. So anyways, I had lost a lot of weight and I was feeling really great about myself. Um, and I got back, I actually, for the first time got on dating apps, um, because my girlfriends were like, okay, like, what are you doing? Like, what do you want to do with your life? Because <laughs> I was saying, you know, I am tired of being alone. Um, and so I, one of my girlfriends signed me up on the um, dating apps and created a profile for me. And um, we started, I started dating. And then I quickly realized that I was, using my body to feel better about myself. Um, so I would do that through sex. I would do that through eating certain things that just tasted good. I would do that through overeating. Um, and when I would overeat, I wouldn't feel good about myself, but I still loved the pleasure and sensation of eating something good or tasty or something rich. Um, and then my digestion would be like, what the hell are you doing, Allie? This isn't working with us. <laughs> so over the years, um, I then started to realize, okay, I have to make this choice for myself. My digestion has been telling me very clearly what sits well, what doesn't sit well. And I just started to take better care of myself. Um, I started to work out again. And as I was dating more, um, I then 
you know, I wanted to just feel better about myself. Um, and that was really the beginning of me committing to creating a healthier relationship with myself. That was a healthier relationship mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And it all started with how I was consuming things. So five years later, here I am, and I am the healthiest I've been mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and the healthiest I've been for the longest. Um, it took me a while to get to where I am now because, as I mentioned, after the surgery and after recovery, I then went back to New York. I gained a bunch of weight back. Um, because honestly, New York bagels and pizza and pastrami was so good. I am now vegan. And um, so I, I'm actually now vegan and gluten-free. And I haven't had sugar for over a month um, for multiple different reasons why I've chosen those things. Uh, but mainly it's all been my digestion. And so I went back to New York. I gained a bunch of weight. And I realized that I wasn't happy from gaining a bunch of weight. And so then I lost it again. Um, I started dating someone and that was a big motivator for me. Um, and I started working out. I then went uh, pescatarian because um, that's pretty much how I've been most of my life. I've never been a huge meat eater. Um, and then, although I did mention pastrami sandwiches now three times on this podcast, <laughs> Uh, but pescatarian was always like, I craved fish more than anything. Um, and then slowly I realized, and so then I then moved back to LA, I lost all the weight again. Um, and, and when I say I lost all the weight again, I lost 60 pounds. So when I entered my abusive relationship, I was like my high school weight, which I'm almost back to now. Um, and then I gained 60 pounds. And when I was in New York, um, it's pretty much stayed that I had the surgery, I lost a bunch of weight, and then I gained it all back. Um, and I gained it all back for many reasons. One, I just was not taking care of myself. I wasn't watching what I was doing. I was just doing. Um, and... I also gained it all back because it was my protection layer. I felt like if I had more weight on, that meant it was I was less likely to be abused or be raped or get raped. Get raped. Be abused or raped. <laughs> um, and... I did had no idea at the time that that's what was going on. Um, I also firmly believe that my the cyst in my liver I manifested. Um, I believe that yes, it may have been there at some point in my life. Birth control may have contributed to it. However, from me recalling what I did to myself mentally and emotionally, what I put myself through and the war that I had with myself for six years, that war that I had with myself is what manifested that cyst 
from the spiritual to the emotional to the physical. And that's what I needed to completely stop. To, or not completely stop because we are our harshest critics. <laughs> um, but that's what I needed to wake the fuck up. And I mean, you may agree, disagree, whatever it is. That's just my truth. That's how I see it. Um, I put myself through hell mentally and emotionally during and after that abusive relationship. And I continued to beat myself up for years while also not trusting myself and not trusting other people. And then my body failed me. And my body only failed me because my mind already said that that's what I needed. And we've been manifesting things since we were born. Things we want to claim that we have manifested and things that we don't. And this has been something that I know I created, that my body created to keep me safe and to wake me up, to shake me to my core. So my journey of honoring my scar, particularly this one, was not easy. <laughs> there were a lot of ups and downs, a lot of sadness, a lot of pain, a lot of just complete, utter fear. But I still got here. And I still got here. And the thing is, what I did is I ignored it. This huge traumatic event happened. And when I came out of it, I ignored it. And I went back as though everything was the same. And it wasn't the same. I wasn't the same. My body wasn't the same. And it took me a while to figure out how to align differently with what I was being called to do and what I was being called to consume. And this is the moment after this surgery, that's when I said to myself, I'm not working the way I had been. I'm not going to work 20 hour days. I'm not going to work non-stop and sleep three hours and keep going. I'm not doing that to myself. And that was also the beginning of me really starting to think maybe there is a work-life balance. Maybe there is a way for me to be happy. And I am just so grateful for this awakening that brought me here. Because had that not happened, I would have burnt out in another way. And my body would have burnt out in another way. The question was just how and when. And that led me to really analyzing, was I happy in the fashion industry? And the answer was no. I wasn't. Was I happy living in New York? No. <laughs> I loved it. But I wasn't happy there. I didn't love being that far away from my family. And especially when this happened and I was shook to my core. And all I wanted to do was be around my family. Um, that's when I was like, 
cool, I'm gonna move back to LA. It took me about another year to actually do it. Uh, but I did it and that's when I started so many different things in my life. Um, I moved back to LA. The person I was dating, we broke up, but then we kept sleeping together and I'll be sharing more of that story in another episode just because there's so many learnings from that relationship. Um, but that's when I started to go much more into events um, and to really own events and produce them. And that's where I learned that I really loved doing them much more so than when I was doing them in New York. Um, and I also just stepped into more self-love and more empowerment and the confidence that I gained within that first year after surgery was just so beautiful and so transformative. And then I eventually got on to um, a vegan diet uh, or a plant-based way of living. It's not a diet to me. Uh, and I started meditating daily. I started really contemplating more and not turning outwards for advice or validation or suggestions. I started really trusting myself and I was able to start saying no to things that didn't feel like they were in alignment, that weren't benefiting me, that weren't um, aiding me in me feeling better. And I then eventually got into doing what I'm doing today, which is living a conscious lifestyle. And I'm just so grateful for the transformation of that surgery. Um, it really shook me up. It rocked me to my core. And it woke me the fuck up into stepping into my power of who I am instead of just going along with who I thought I should be or who other people thought I should be. It really, really woke me up. And I honor this scar. And there are times that I don't honor it. <laughs> but I come back to honoring it. Even if I have a moment of not honoring it, um, if I have a moment of not honoring my body, I still keep coming back to self-compassion and love and respect for myself. And there are so many other beautiful scars that we all have and carry and be proud of them because each one of our scars are what makes us unique. This was part of me becoming more of a unicorn. <laughs> and now I have half a liver and no gallbladder. <laughs> uh, I still feel like I have them in there. But <laughs> yeah, it's just honoring your scars and being okay with what they are and why they happened. And that's all I got to say today. There are so many different ways to honor your scars. And the most important way is to just honor yourself. 
honor yourself for where you are today and love up on yourself so much more. Sending you so, so, so much love. May you be happy, healthy, safe, and live with ease. I love you. Thank you so much for sharing. For sharing. I'm sharing. Thank you so much for showing up. <laughs> and uh, if this resonated with you, if this landed, if you liked it, if you loved it, um, please subscribe, comment, share. Um, share this with anyone who it might help them. Uh, oh, and before I forget, um, I don't, as I remember, love that constant reframing. I'm sure you guys are catching this. Um, <clears throat> what my surgeon did not tell me was that, um, or I sp recall specifically asking if it would be helpful for me to take any vitamins or supplements. And my surgeon said no. And this is, and I'll get into this with, um, with one of my upcoming interviewees, um, who is much more knowledgeable about, about this than I am. However, um, not taking any vitamins or supplements after such a massive surgery was not beneficial to me. Uh, I, it caught up to me later on. Um, my body just was, hasn't, didn't function that well because I didn't take supplements to help aid the building or the, yeah, the build of my, the rest of my liver regenerating. And for the past two years, I've taken a bunch of supplements now. Um, and that has also aided in me feeling and being the healthiest I've been, um, and for my digestion to get back on track more. So if you experience any type of surgery, anything, please, please, please reach out to a naturopath, uh, reach out to multiple doctors, get multiple opinions about the best holistic practices for recovery, because um, a lot of Western medicine doctors, I love you, thank you, and please start practicing a little bit more 360 approach, um, especially holistic, because my body went through something so traumatic and I, at the time, didn't, wasn't knowledgeable, um, on implementing the practices that I do today. And I will be sharing much, much more about, um, my daily practices of, uh, bringing more nutrients to my body, um, on one of my upcoming shares with my friend who is a health coach. So yeah, we will be talking about that soon. In the meantime, Wrapping this one up, uh, honor your scars, honor your journey, honor how much growth and involvement you've had, and love up on yourself extra, extra today. Thank you so much for being part of my journey. I love you.